Blog Talk Radio. Wilco's Jeff Tweedy has a new book coming out called How to Write One Song. If that song is chestnuts roasting on an open fire or stairway to heaven, maybe one song is enough. But otherwise, it's a good idea to write at least three or four. I'm Brett Singer. This is my show. Got to write lots of songs. I'm basically going to start with one. I guess that's a fair thing. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Brett from the Bunker. It is Friday, August 14th. The year is 2020. We're here. It's 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And my guest today is comedian Stephen Rogers. Stephen, how you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. So the question that I had been asking everyone <clears throat> excuse me, during quarantine is, how are you holding up? And I guess that's still valid. Because we're still kind of in quarantine. We're sort of reopened, but we're not really reopened. So how are you holding up? I'm, uh, I'm doing well. Uh, now that we're at that, that point where you can get up and, and do comedy, I'm doing well. Uh, before, it was harder, but uh, I'm doing great. Okay, that's good. Now, you say get up and do comedy. Where have you been doing comedy? Uh, I thankfully I'm I'm in New York City as well and and uh, doing it in the parks, uh, like they'll they'll have gatherings and stuff and you just shout at people that were having a picnic and uh, or uh, rooftops and things like that. So it's very obscure and different than it used to be, but uh, I'll take it. It's a good uh, it's a good uh, patch to to hold the addiction for now. Right. Yeah. So I haven't done any of those. What are those like? Uh, if you have a microphone, it makes a, a, a world of difference. Uh, you realize how many things you need in stand-up, even though the number is small. You realize how they're much how important they are. Like uh, some the park shows, you have no microphone, uh, right? In most of them, so those can just be. It looks like a strange person just walked into the a group and started screaming. Hmm. Uh, but on, on a rooftop, if you have a mic, it's just like doing a club with no roof. It's amazing. Uh, so it, it varies, but uh, I would say the microphone makes it as close to normal as it used to be. Had you done outdoor shows ever before? I've done like uh, like an amphitheater and stuff like that, but it was like, you know, this was before social distancing and, and it was all set up so everyone could hear me and they were expecting comedy, so uh, it was uh, it was definitely better and not uh, not to say better. It was just more organized stand up. So with the park shows, does it sometimes feel like they were not expecting comedy? Uh, like the ones I do for stand up New York, they know that there's going to be comedy, so those ones are good. They they uh, they have an audience and they're ready. But some park shows I've done uh, that are uh, produced by comics it's like uh, we kind of bark in people that were already at the park so sometimes they don't know so park barking that is our, that is our new yeah. thing <laughs> yeah. we park bark Cause, well because I, mean, I know there's a show called ambush comedy but this is literally ambush comedy right i mean you're just kind of doing yeah, it in so, the park you're so, like hey everyone who wants to see a comedy <laughs> show too bad we're doing it anyway exactly yeah this is uh definitely Taking the place of ambush. 
So what was it like when you were not doing comedy? I mean, you said something to feed the addiction, or maybe I don't know if you use the word addiction, but I'm going to use the word addiction. Well, how, how did it feel to not be able to do it? Uh, it, it was, uh, it's funny. I, well, first of all, I know that my problems are nothing in compared to what's going on in this actual pandemic, but this is the worst thing that happened to me. So it's a nice problem, but, uh, I, uh, I, it felt like it, when you, when you, uh, identify so much as a standup, which I do, cause I'm, I'm obsessed with it. Uh, you, you realize how big of a part of it, uh, of you it is. So when it was gone, I immediately was doing the Zoom shows and doing the Facebook live shows or the Instagram live shows because it's like you got to scratch that itch. So it was it was fine, but it wasn't uh, as much of an adrenaline rush or it didn't feel like uh, what it used to. So I was just constantly chasing it. Right. And it was aggravating. Yeah, no, I can imagine. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was doing it, so I, I, I agree with you. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know there are comics. Do you know any comics who won't do the Zoom? I, I knew about them in the beginning, and I always, I mean, like you know, that's your prerogative. You do what you know makes you happy. Uh, but now at this point, like, we might have to go back into it uh, when it comes to the winners. So it's like I'm thankful enough that I did it from the beginning. So I'm. I'm used to it, and people know that I'm willing to do them. And people that may have not jumped on the first uh, wave uh, may have a harder time on on the second. Yeah, because I mean, there's a ton of shows. I mean, there's there's lots of yeah. opportunity. I mean, I I do multiple zooms a week, and I'm very grateful for them, and I'm very happy to be doing them. And right. I think you know, my attitude was, this is what we have. And I mean, now we do have more outside shows, but the outside shows are not quite as quite as prevalent. And you know, like I'm not getting on a stand up New York show because I'm not past stand up New York. So that's that's right. you know, it's the same it's the same thing as like I'm not getting on at at stand up if we're uh, if we're inside. So you know, the zooms are available, and let's do them. Why not? What do we What do we have to lose? Yeah, you can, and like in a way, you're doing. First of all, you can do multiple spots a night without the travel time mm. and you can perform if you do it right you can perform in several states in one in one week right it's it's crazy i mean it nothing will beat live stand-up it, it's always something that's the best live you you can tell by watching uh like a hilarious comic special it, that live is still better but uh this is still a new thing it's pretty great for comedy in my opinion yeah, no, I think it's work. I, I look. I mean, I obviously it's not the, it's not the same as live, but you know, a lot of things aren't. I mean, let's. Well, I, I think we just have we have to take what's available. So, I mean, to the people who don't want to do it, I, I agree, it's your prerogative. You can do it, but I think you're missing out. Like, I, I really, I really do feel strongly that it, by by opting out of it, you know, you've sort of you're you're not doing something that might be potentially very enjoyable. Of course, I, I totally agree. Um, obviously if you're getting up enough, you know, with outside stuff, maybe, maybe you, you scratch that itch that way, but I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think the zoom is okay. It's just, it's, you know, I mean, it took some getting used to, but now I've kind of gotten used to it. I've got my zoom set, 
you know, I try to update it. I get, it's also nice you can put, bring in a new joke very easily because if you don't have it memorized, you can just sort of have your have your uh, iPad right there and just you know like glance at it. So if you if you want to do something like at the last possible second, just drop in drop in a new joke and you're you know you don't have to worry about getting it all memorized. Yes, agreed. And I've noticed I, I, with that, it's like I'm more comfortable on these shows. Uh, faster because I'm in my own home. Like right. It's way easier to be in your element when you're in the most element place that you have. Now you said more comfortable. Are you, I mean, do you, do you sometimes feel uncomfortable on stage? Uh, yeah, well, I'm i I'm a socially anxious person. So sometimes oh, I can, okay. uh, I can be, I'm like, I'm, pretty good in comparison to when I started, but I can tell sometimes uh, I may be more, uh, feel more exposed than I am, or, or sometimes I'll be like, oh, I can't make eye contact. I'm, this isn't as going as well as I'd like. I'm very much an in-my-head person, so that can affect uh, my comfort on stage. Interesting. So you made an interesting choice for a career. Oh yeah, well I, I love it, and uh, I strive to get better at it uh, constantly. And uh, thankfully, I am way better as far as comfort. But uh, I'm an uncomfortable person, so that's a whole <laughs> it's a whole life uh, movement, not just in my my career. Right. So it's something it's something that you work on in general. It's uh, yeah, and then, yeah. And you don't you have a? Am I right that you have a podcast about that? Yes, uh, it's called Panic Attacking, uh, and uh, it's me and another very anxious comedian, and uh, we uh, talk about what uh, made us anxious that week, and, and now we have a, a therapist that's on the podcast with us. That gives Ooh. Us during. Yeah. Oh, I like that, a real-life therapist. Yeah, it's very uh, it's very fun, and it's... It, it's uh, we pretended, we don't pretend to know anything, so we added the anxiety factor with therapist and the humor obviously comes with us so i'm i'm pretty proud of it and it helps with the anxiety actually oh cool all right well that's good that's uh, that, that must be a nice outlet for the for the anxiety to have a podcast oh, specifically sure. about that yes um so how did you get started in comedy um well like i uh like i've mentioned i'm i'm obsessed with it my parents uh would watch stand up and all that. So I'm like, well, this is amazing. I want to do this. And, uh, it was hard because I was in Syracuse, New York, and I didn't know anything about like how you start it. And, uh, didn't know there was a club. There was a club in my own backyard, like downtown, but I never really knew about it. And then a funny bone opened in the mall. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, I know the mall. I'll go, mm-hmm. to, I'll try to go do that one. And, uh, I got to do a guest spot on their opening weekend and I was like, well, this is addictive. I already want to do this. And a comic, uh, in the local scene that was like a headliner was in the audience and, uh, was super gracious and offered to take me, uh, under his wing and he helped me out. And then, uh, I was in Syracuse for about four and a half years and then moved to New York. Oh, wow. So there was enough in Syracuse to kind of keep you going. You were able to get enough spots. Yeah, it was enough to, like, learn how to do it. But, like, uh, if you didn't have shows, there was maybe one or two mics a week. So you really wanted to get 
on shows. So I hosted at the the club. Uh, it went back down to one club. The other one closed, and uh, so and then I would have to do a lot of driving. Like I would do some weekends in Buffalo or Rochester or Albany, wherever I could get up. And uh, at a certain point, it was uh, not enough. So I, that's when I uh, was able to make the move. Cool. That's it. Well, that's obviously worked yeah. out. So I, I, I always wonder about that. Like um, I had James Mattern on a different podcast and he was talking about, or I've been listening to his podcast, Commissioner of Comedy also. And he's been talking mm-hmm. about starting, starting outside of New York. Like he's, I want to say he spent like four years in Vegas, which is where he's from, you know, doing stand up there. And, you know, in my case, I started much later in life and I started in New York and it just made me right. wonder like what it must've been like to sort of start, like you kind of get a chance to get good, but not in the middle of everything, you know. Like, you, like, yeah. like I'm I'm about two years in, and you know I'm so much better than I was when I started. But I can already see like another two years I'm going to be that much better. So I mean, I wonder if maybe it would have been nice to start not in New York. Uh, well, first off, let me say I love James Madden so much. So that's um, oh yeah, the perfect person to listen to. Uh. I, I I just I had to express that every sure. time I hear his name I'm joyous. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I I think starting out of uh, outside of the city was good in the fact that like no one saw how bad I was. <laughs> like I was so bad for at least two years or more, and uh, also like um, you get longer sets because there's not a million comics and right. they don't have a lot to choose from. So, so I was doing like, I remember I was doing like a half an hour sometimes if need be uh, way before I should have been. And wow. uh, that, you know, it's a lot of uh, sink or swim moments in a, in a situation like that. So I guess it's like having to prove yourself, not prove yourself, but to survive because a full audience is there that paid. Whereas in, um, but like if then you come to New York and find out, Oh, this stuff, I may have a lot of jokes, but they're not tight. They're not razor sharp, like a New York audience is waiting for. Right. So it's like, uh, you, uh, you lose a lot of fat when you come to New York. So I think like, I still think people that started in New York do, great but there are some benefits to outside but uh new york is still where you go to get great i think oh absolutely i mean new york is i mean new york la i don't really know anything about the la scene so you know i can't speak to that but i mean i but there but i know there is a big one so there you know there's definitely lots of opportunities out there um and i know there are in other cities too i don't want to knock any place any place else um if for no other reason because i want to do stand up there but you know? uh, but I mean, New York, New York obviously is, is, you know, there's tons of clubs. I mean, the good thing about it is like you said, you had, you had one club that closed. Um, you had to drive to Buffalo. Like I, you know, I don't need to do that. Like I've got, there's opportunities. Right. It's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world to get up at a club, you know, especially when you're yeah. starting out, but, but at least the clubs are there. And um, if you produce a show, that's one way to get up. And, you know, there's, there, there's ways you can sort of hustle a little bit and find your way in. Right. A hundred percent. And, and, uh, it, it's just a, uh, an ex- it's just a way to learn it with, uh, fewer options. I think being out, out of New York, 
whereas in New York, there's more of everything. So you mentioned starting out and not being great. Like how um, you said, you feel like it took you about two years before you got good. Um, well, if anyone knows me, uh, they know this is not a joke. Uh, I still don't think I'm good. So I, uh, I would say it was only, it took maybe two or three years before people could stand, uh, my stand up. But, uh, I, uh, I wouldn't say I'm good, was good until, uh, well now people say I'm good, but therapy won't get me there yet. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm very hard on, on my, uh, on my stand-up. I mean, you've but, been on late. Uh, you've been on late night. They don't put they don't put stinkers on late night. I mean, that's not typically yes, you I, know what they do with the stinky comedians. That is not the home for the lousy. <laughs> you know. I will. Yeah, I'll, I'm getting better at it. I will say I have the ability. Uh, I I uh, I just have a hard time complimenting myself. Yeah, uh, I would say I was. Well, the big reason, the the best way I got better, and. Uh, got good at it. I have to credit to, um, I, I, I opened for Brian Regan and he saw me, uh, and took me on the road with him. Oh, wow. Uh, before I moved, yeah, before I moved to New York, uh, he saw me at a festival and I've been with working with him for maybe four years now. And, uh, being on stage in a theater before one of the best comics out there, really makes you sit down and look at your stuff and look like say it in the mirror in the hotel room a million times. And what about what, what more laps can I get in there? And it really, um, like I was saying before, where you have to rise to the occasion that, that one was the, the time where I'm like, well, now I'm opening for Brian Regan. I have to step it up. And I would say that's when I started to get, uh, good is is really increasing the work. So you say it in the mirror, like that's because uh, I I used to do that, and I've stopped in part because I'm getting up enough at mics and shows. But um, but you but you think that's a good idea to like to sort of say it to yourself over and over again? I say it in the the mirror when there's no chance of an open mic between. Uh, like then and the show. Okay. So like if I'm on the road with Brian uh, and I have a show at seven o'clock, I'm in the hotel until maybe five 30. I will tell, I will run the jokes in the mirror maybe once or twice and maybe write some new tags or, or get rid of words that don't aren't needed, but saying it out loud in and maybe not even in the mirror, but just around the hotel room really has helped because it's like hearing it in the moment and you can notice when you're being too performy or when you're being too monotone. It makes you, I don't know, for me, it helps uh, edit the performance uh, in the moment. It's like, I guess it is like doing a mic just alone right. uh, before you go up is basically what I'm doing. So, uh, no, you I have to hear you have to hear it out loud. I mean, that's that's definitely. I mean, that's the whole point of the mic. I mean, you know, a lot of times at mics, you're not you're not going to get laughs because maybe people have heard the joke a thousand times, or right. it's just other comedians or that are not big laughers. Or they're worried about their jokes. 
they're worried yeah. about their jokes, you know, whatever. But but you just you're saying it out loud. I think preferably in front of people, but it sounds like even if you can't say it in front of people, let's just get it out there and let's just let's just speak these words into the air, and then hopefully we can hear hear something. Do you ever tape yourself when you do it uh, when you do it by yourself? Um, that I've done it. That one I find hard to listen to, but I have done it and and uh, and struggled through it. But uh, I tape every show I do, but the ones where I say it out loud to myself, I try to have everything I'm writing, uh, everything I want to say, like note cards all around me when I'm doing that. So it's quick to run to the note card and write it down. But now hearing that out loud, it's better to just tape it and listen to the whole thing so you don't interrupt your uh, flow. So now that I say that, I will be taping (laughs) those. <laughs> well, I didn't want to start something. I didn't want to get no, you, you get you taping yourself. No, you're right. I think you're. I think you are 100 percent right. I should be doing that. So you just no. I'm just. Something. I'm. I'm curious. I'm curious what your what your process is because I mean that's. I've done it and I've and it doesn't. It's obvious. Like I tape all the mics and I tape all the shows, obviously. But yeah. um, I, 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 but I have I have tried taping myself. You know, when it's just when it's, you know, I'm just doing something for myself, like in my room and it does sometimes help. But I mean, I don't but I definitely don't do it that often because it does seem a little weird. It's sort of like I'm recording myself talking to myself. And yeah. What exactly what exactly am I doing and what am I going to get out of this? But then at the same time, maybe you drop a tag like I've, I've you know, right. I've done stuff. I mean, you said you, you now you said you you do it with note cards. So that's your method is you have like index cards. Uh, no cards is new. Um, no cards is uh, is is lately for order. So I write the. This is my new. This is my process, and my girlfriend will joke, like half of my process is coming up with a new process. But uh, <laughs> I uh, right now I'm writing on note cards the beats of the joke. Uh, and so I don't write out the full joke. It's just like, okay, same name as Captain America, this thing, this thing, this thing. That's this one bit. And uh, I'll say the – and if anything else comes to my mind, and then I, that's when I start to play with that. But that's the note card thing. Normally I write in uh, notebooks with um, that are unlined – and that was from uh, Gary Goldman said that, and uh, I took that to heart. And if, for some reason, I love an unlined notebook, and that's how I huh. is. I did not. I did not yeah. think of that. I haven't heard him say that. That's really interesting. Um, do you, you don't know what it is about the unlined that you like? Maybe the just the freedom of the page I, or something. I would say the freedom of the page because I don't. I've never. I haven't been diagnosed with OCD, but I know when writing, I'm very. I want things perfect, and and an, a line notebook is going to make me want to be perfect. It's going to want me to fit in the lines and and have nice handwriting. Where an unlined notebook, there's no rules in my mind. Just just fill the page. So and then it's it's made it where I used to write in a line notebook, and all it was was writing. Uh, like and now in an unlined notebook, I have mind maps and Venn diagrams and lists and stuff. So it's more uh, for the mind and not for the 
if somebody were to open my notebook, oh, that looks nice, that kind of thing. Interesting. What is a mind map? Uh, the, uh, at least I'm calling it a mind map. I, I might be naming it wrong, but I, you have the either the word or the idea or the topic, and then, you know, it's like the – maybe it's a web. It looks like a web. You have the – so arrows come. I have arrows coming off it, and then it leads to this. Like so, if I have, um, like I uh, say, anxiety. I put anxiety, and then an arrow goes to okay, panic attacks. And then what? What does panic attacks make me think of? And then you could come back to anxiety and go okay, also prescriptions. And then so it's like, where does this thing in the center of the mind map? make your mind go and it's uh, just branching off to different directions. Hmm. I like that. That's really cool. Um, do you have a particular type of online notebook that you like? I've been doing uh, moleskin. Um, mm. I never was, a, I was never a moleskin guy, uh, but um, the first online notebook I used was a moleskin and now I'm like, okay, well, we'll just stick with Moleskine for now because I like a hardcover uh, notebook. Okay. Yeah, because everybody's got uh, one. So I, have that, no, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I have no alliance. You're, you're not under contract I, I, with Moleskine. You don't have you yeah. don't have a you don't have a deal with Moleskine. Yeah, none of my uh, none of my athletic gear says Moleskine on the back. Right, exactly. No, no Moleskine <laughs> tattoo. No, no Moleskine <laughs> on your tie or any or anything when you go out on stage. Um, exactly. So, so now you said you said prescriptions. Is that some? Do you take something for anxiety? I used to take uh, Xanax uh, mainly for flying, uh, which um, I flew not that long ago, and I was I'm finally off of it. I uh, I say I would attribute my success with anxiety to uh, meditation and therapy and occasional exercise occasional exercise i like that that's part of the success yeah. story let's not do this too much <laughs> <laughs> well it's like i can't I, I was like well exercise has helped but i'm so lazy but it's it's meditation and, and therapy for sure okay uh, have have helped greatly do you have any particular uh, do you have any, a meditation guru or anyone that you really like any method that you really like i i was a pm and uh, that is, uh, if that sounds familiar, that's the one that uh, Seinfeld praises. Um, and uh, if you, uh, your next question is, did you do it entirely because of Seinfeld does it? I would say almost. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, like Seinfeld did it, and I was like, oh, that's great. But it probably helps with creativity, uh, but mostly was. I heard this does amazing things for anxiety. So I, I right. learned TM. Yeah. I learned it in the fall of last year. Uh, and I've been doing it twice a day and it's wonderful. So it, it, there's a method to it. Like it isn't just close your eyes and think about your breathing. Like there's actually, there's an actual methodology to TM. Yeah. You have to take a class and they teach you and it's, it's uh it's different for everybody. Like it's catered and, uh, uh, it, it's, yeah, I, it's a method that, uh, is, is, uh, 
working for me. So, uh, I mean, I like it. Oh, no, it works. I mean, Howard Stern. Um, oh David yeah, Lynch, right. yeah. Da- David Lynch is a big, big, big proponent. Um, there's a, there's a lot of celebrities that are way into it, uh, and also, and it's one of those things that you know it costs nothing. You just, you know, um, I read Carol Leifer's book. She she got really into it. So you you know like go to the website right, and they just sign up, and it's like it's, it's yeah. not like you have to go take a thousand dollar class. No, no. I I mean I paid money for the class, but it wasn't anything extreme like that. Right. And and I I remember they had uh uh so like uh, if people had like no money they found ways to work with them. So uh I just figured oh, I'll pay for it. This is something I want to get it right. So that was my just my decision. Yeah, no no no. I mean I I do like meditation. So I I wonder if I could get into the habit of doing that. I think it would probably. Oh, I recommend it. You've never heard anyone say I meditate too much. You know, like that's never. (laughs) That's never something that it's. It's like you can even run too much. You can exercise too much. That is that is a real thing. Meditating too much? I don't think so. I don't think that's really a thing. (laughs) Yeah, like sorry, officer, I had too many mantras. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so now, now you said when you're working, you said you'll write a new tag. I mean, how you can just do that? Like you feel like you can just sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a new tag now and something will just come to you? Or do you have a method that you go through to sort of find the new tags? Um, it's usually free write in the morning or or whenever I sit down. Usually I'm a get up, either breakfast, and coffee or just coffee, uh, free write. And then what uh, I like to look at it as um, I have one uh, note on the computer of what is what I think the hour could be. And it has all the jokes written out. And then it's like, well, where's our weak link today? Or where's the one that I'm feeling today? And then I play with that. You said what um, I think the hour could be. I just say, yeah, yeah. You're talking about an hour, an hour, an hour long set. Yeah, I, I call it the hour just because so many people. It's like become the expression for it. Like that's the hour. But I, I don't know if I like when I do an album. I don't think it would be that long. But uh, it's roughly like what's the album going to be, or what's the next body of work of material okay. going to be. Um. For me, I have no albums or anything. So right now it's like, okay, what do I want my first album to have in it? And I have that down, and it's now like, let's uh, let's see which ones need some uh, work today. And I just play with them. Cool. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Um, so when, when you say free write, are you free writing about a particular topic, or is it just whatever pops into your head? I like to... Uh, free write on how I feel, uh, and so basically whatever's popping into my head, and it's okay. It's usually um, it's you, yeah. So it's like whatever pops into my head and how I feel about it. Um, like uh, if the cat, the cat sneezing a bunch, and the vet told me that, hey, look out if the cat sneezes a lot. I write like a full page on that. Uh, just where my anxiety goes, where my frustration goes, and that kind of stuff. Um, and 
And then, yeah, then I'll look at the jokes that need, like, that are calling out to me. And not to sound silly, but it's like, I don't go and pick, okay, let's make you better today. It's like, I scroll through it and I'm like, oh, this one I really like. And I know that there's some work that needs to be done. Let's play with that today. And I like to say play because it's like to remind myself it's not an office job where I have to, it's grueling. I can have fun with this joke today if I let myself. Hmm. Liz Mealy said that too in uh, an interview. She was talking about just writing stand-up in general, and she said one thing to focus on is how things make you feel. So I thought that was interesting yeah. that you just said that. You think that. So, I mean, you would agree that's important. Yeah, I think I want um, – I want – I don't know. I want people to know who I am so that uh, I, I like the fe- – I like putting feeling into it because feelings can be angles. Feelings can be premises. And um, – Feelings can be punchlines, too. It's like this whole joke, in a way, could be... And I actually, on those note cards, I left this out. I put... I'm starting to put down, what emotion is this joke? Really? The... Like, so I I mentioned the Captain America one. The the emotion there is is over it. Like, uh, whatever... Like, I I wrote over it on the joke. Uh, no card because I'm over people telling me that I have the same name as this guy. I'm over uh, the movies. I'm over the gifts that have it's like that kind of thing. And um, sure, there can be multiple emotions in one joke, but what's the main one I want to come across when I tell it too? Hmm. So it's like, oh, this guy is this guy just didn't write a joke. This is my how I like to do it. Because uh, there's people that don't, and it's they're still hilarious. But um, I like to do the emotion during the joke, so they can be like, uh, I can paint the picture in their head better. I think is what I'm going for. No, you're conveying something. I mean, I think right. I yeah. Mean, you're you're getting yeah. something across. You're sending a message, and it's a much clearer message if you know what the emotion is. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. To me. And the whole goal is, is for me is just to make it the funniest it is. Like I just want big laughs if I can get them, and I feel like the adding the emotion is a huge tool to that. Hmm. Interesting. I may I I kind of want to start doing that now. I think oh, I think I, I could benefit I, from this, Stephen. I think I, I could use some it. of this. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, sort of look at the joke and say, what emotion are you trying to convey? Or what emotion are you conveying, I guess, would be even better. Right. Um, well, I mean, if you look at Seinfeld, it's a lot of anger. And if you look at Brian Regan, it's uh, awkward, feeling awkward, or feel I felt dumb, or I feel angry, or I feel silly here. So it's like everyone's, like, we know is doing it to an extent, even if it's not conscious decision. And I, I usually like to find out what the emotion is after. Um, you said you like pointing, to find out what the emotion out is. At point, so you write the joke and then find the emotion? Yeah, because you're, you're feeling it while you write the joke, but it's not good. In my opinion, I don't want to point it out. I want the joke to come. Like, don't interrupt the joke to find the emotion in that moment. 
because you, you're feeling it. You're just like feeling that moment of writing the joke. If this isn't, I hope this makes sense. Like if I'm writing a joke, obviously I'm feeling cer- a certain way. Uh, that's why the joke's coming out. Uh, and then later when I work on the joke, I'll come back and go, oh, this joke was about this. Like I was feeling this in this situation. So you don't, you don't try to assign it during the writing process. No, because I, I don't want to – I have a issue of becoming too technical and too uh, – uh, I can get too robotic. So I just want to be uh, – that's where, like, the unlined notebook, for example, a line notebook where I'm just writing an emotion on the top of the page can be too mathematic, whereas if it's a unlined notebook and I'm just scribbling away, uh, oh, the, the vet said this and what the hell and like, I'm not even realizing um, what I'm, emotion I'm conveying because I'm just trying to get the, I, I feel the joke coming out and I don't want to interrupt the joke. Hmm. And then late, later I'll go, okay, yeah, I'm super angry here. So I better so say who- this angry. Who are some comedians that you really like, comedians you admire? Uh, I'm obsessed with uh, Gary Shandling, mm. and uh, that might be one of the reasons I'm like this, because he was very much uh, B-U, be you, the most, he would, in his journal, it was like, be the most Gary you can be, and uh, I want to do the same, uh, just replace it with Steven <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd suck if I was the most Gary Shandling, but uh, that would be, that would be, it'd be the tribute band. It would be, uh, but you can't <laughs> do that. You can't every now and then you'll see something online or Bill Burr talks about this. Like, Hey, can I do your joke? It'll be like a, like a, you know, like a cover band. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that yeah. way. It's not a song. Yeah. It's, that's not what you can do. Write yeah. your own joke. Come on. You know, so you can't, yeah. you can't be the best Gary. You got to be the best Steven. Right. So I I would say Gary. Uh, I know starting, I'm not starting, but when I was in high school um, and uh, I would have a hard, if I had a hard day, I would watch Ellen DeGeneres' one of her two uh, HBO specials. And I remember those were just pure fun, amazing stand-up. And then obviously um, – Brian Regan, I was introduced to him in high, uh, middle school, and I thought uh, I Walked on the Moon was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And then, uh, but Ray Romano was one of my favorite, and still is one of my favorite stand-up comics. So good. His his recent thing, I guess maybe it was a year ago, that was on Netflix, was so funny. Ah, uh, was such so a good, good special. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, that was. That was one where I grabbed my wife and I was like, "You got to watch this with me." Like, come on, like this is this is not just the usual. Like, I watch a lot of comedy specials. This one, you got to sit down and watch with me. This is terrific. I 100% agree. I've watched it a, a lot. Uh, the fact that he did it in a club with an audience that didn't know he was coming, uh, so it wasn't filled with his people. It, it's wonderful, and uh, I. And I feel that same way about his uh, Live at Carnegie Hall album and uh, his uh, Letterman that got him. Everybody loves Raymond. Like, he's a fantastic comic. And uh, another person that's very real, like all, all personal kind of stuff. So right. I, I uh, that's 
those are probably uh, some. Oh, and Wendy Liebman was the first comedian I ever saw on TV, and I was like, I want to do that. She she was on. I was helping out with tech on a show that she was on, and I was totally starstruck. I was like, I used to watch you. I mean, I, I didn't say this exactly. Cause I want to be a schmuck, but yeah. I was. But I was. But it was like I used to watch you on Comedy Central and all the things. And you know, she was, and she was, and she just got up and she was just effortless. It was just wonderful. She just, you know, she she's just terrific. Um, and yeah, yeah, her, Car- her Carson is fantastic. It's it's just oh, an unbelievably yeah. great late night appearance. It's it's just it's just wonderful. Yeah, she uh, the rapid fire and just like machine gun uh, precision was just like this is what I want to do. And when I started, I was very uh, boom 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 boom, and I would attribute that to her because that's just like she was a powerhouse and still yeah. is. I just haven't oh, seen absolutely. her in a while. She, I mean, yeah. again, this was like a this was like a month ago, and she, it was uh, it was a pleasure to watch. It was it was really oh, it was really cool to be able to I'm watch jealous. her on a zoom on a zoom show. It was really neat. Yeah, it was it was oh, very cool. So jealous. Yeah, she's she's still got it. She's she's still Wendy Liebman. She's great. Um, wow. That that is something great about comedy is you can just kind of keep doing it. You know that that is yeah. something that I really like about it. The idea that you can do this. You know, as long as you can talk, you'll you'll be able to keep yeah. doing it. You know, they'll they'll keep, they'll prop you up, put a microphone yeah, in your hand, exactly. and you can just drop some jokes. You know. I know. Like I, I know uh, I've worked with a lot of uh, comics that are that are handicapped. I knew I've heard of a guy my uh, who has MS who would literally be propped up. Oh wow! But he was, <laughs> and he was one of the most killer joke writers I've I've seen when I watched I mean, his. Uh, I didn't mean to be offensive, but no. they propped up. I was no, you're not. I was no, you're, joking. no, no. I, I think that that's. Uh, I think that's beautiful. That it, that at a, because you know you all worry. We all worry about being getting unhealthy and something happening. Sure. And, and and like I, even if I got very sick and was still able to do it, a hundred percent. I don't care how I have to get up there, I will keep doing it. And I think that's. I, yeah, I don't think you were. Uh, offended of all. I think that's a beautiful thing that we can keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you strike me as someone that you're, you know, nothing would stop you. You'd be doing it from a hospital bed. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I mean, you're clearly, you're clearly someone who needed to do this and this needed to be in your life. And you, and you found it at, at, it sounds like a pretty young age, right? I got lucky. Yeah. I found it young and, and, uh, didn't waste, too much time, right? Um, uh, and and, but, and uh, also, you, and also, you got lucky. You had someone take you under your wing, which uh, which it sounds like was really helpful. I would say most most of my career has been someone taking me under their wing, and it's meant so much to me every time. Uh, the the first guy was Nick Mara. He's a Syracuse comic, super funny. And then I mean Brian and uh, other comics did it too, and it's it's. Uh, and because of that, I, I wish to do the same if I'm ever able to. Uh, a lot of pay it forward. I think the kind people in stand-up can be overlooked because we get more focused on the jealousy and stuff. But there's so many comics that want to help other comics out. I think that's a great way to be. I mean, that's that's fantastic. 
Um, Stephen, I could talk to you all day, but we have to stop. Um, what, tell, um, everyone, tell everyone where they can find you on the social medias, tell them about your podcast, all those things. Of course. Um, my uh, podcast is, again, uh, Panic Attacking uh, Podcast. It's uh, out every Monday, but we do a live Zoom show every other Saturday. And uh, uh, I don't know when this is coming out. Uh, uh, this, is, this is live. The next one this is, is, this, this is on oh, live. this is live. So, yeah. Oh, wow. That shows you how much I know about what I'm doing during the day. <laughs> uh, the next one is this Saturday, actually. So uh, if you are interested, it's a really fun show. We have Ron on Hirschberg and Leah Bonema, and my co-host is Andrew Chavone, all very funny comedians. Uh, just message uh, Panic Attacking Podcast or myself on our uh, social media, and my social media is uh, at not Steve Rogers on Twitter and Instagram, and then uh, my podcast uh, handles are attached to my other, uh, to my social media, so it's just easier that way. Awesome. All right, uh, Stephen, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, everyone, we will be back next Friday with, uh, who are we having? I will, uh, Sharia Mattis, and I will talk to you then. Everyone, please stay safe.